0: Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work, but Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Since we've recorded a smart home show, you've probably been wondering what's been going on. A lot of people have been asking. Uh, we just stopped. And there's really no good excuse why I stopped doing the show other than the fact uh, I got really busy. But I get people asking about it. It's one of those podcasts that still ranks fairly highly in iTunes. A lot of people are interested in the smart home. So we're, we're going to be rebooting this podcast and we're putting the show in good hands. You may have heard of Richard Gunther. I'm sure you have. You, you know of Adam Justice. He's been a guest on this podcast. They're going to be running with the show and be hosting it. Um, I'll be on it periodically. I'll be a guest. I'll be publishing uh, some of my shows periodically relevant to the topic on the Smart Home Show. But basically, moving forward, uh, we're bringing the show back. Uh, and the new hosts are Richard Gunther and Adam Justice. And we, we actually did the first show together. We basically kind of had a conversation about what, the reasons why, um, you know, they want to do it and why I'm kind of uh, moving on a little bit from the Smart Home show. But I hope you enjoy that. Um, I, I appreciate everyone who's listened to the show. Um, I hope you uh, stay with the show and listen to Adam. And listen to Richard and the mini conversations and the nitty gritty that they'll be diving into with regards to kind of understanding the smart home space. Because uh, I think they're going to be great conversations. So let's get on to the conversation we have for this episode, this first episode in a long time. And uh, from there on out, they'll be releasing episodes on the Rigor. So I'm excited about that. I hope you listen. I know I will be. All right, folks, let's get to it. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Smart Home Show. This is Mike Wolf. Is this thing on? It's, it's been a while. <laughs> Man, like it's been two years or so. I, I feel like I, I can't believe I'm back, but I'm back with friends. And this is really kind of the start of a new phase of The Smart Home Show. And I'm here with my good friends, Adam Justice from ConnectSense, Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. And how are you doing, guys? Doing well.
0: Doing well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah. And you guys are going to kind of take the mantle here. We, we I talked a little bit about it in the pre-show, but this is a franchise that it has gone into hibernation that you guys are pulling out uh, of the... <laughs> Of cat- of, cat- of catatonic state, and we're gonna kick it off by actually talking smart home, which you guys are actually spending a lot more time on nowadays than I am. You're living and breathing it, Adam, every day in the trenches. Absolutely, and Richard, as I uh, and Richard gets embarrassed when I say this. Richard is like my favorite smart home podcaster. I feel like he's the best in the business, and I can see him blushing right now on Skype. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, it, you know, for me, it's more of a passion hobby. It's something that doesn't necessarily pay my bills, but it's something I'm, I'm so interested in and I, I love sharing information with people about it.
1: And we're going to talk a little bit about why you guys are taking it over. From my own perspective, um, and I mentioned this a little bit in the pre-show, um, i have just uh, spending so much of my time focused on kitchen tech. Um, I am not living and breathing smart home every day. And I just felt like as this market evolves, I feel like it needs people who are living and breathing, who are passionate about it. And and that's kind of why I just, I got busy. and uh, while you guys have continued to do good work in the space, so I think it just makes sense and it's a natural transition.
2: Absolutely, and uh, you know, we're excited to take on, uh, you know, the responsibility of the show and uh, hopefully put out something that people enjoy hearing, and I know for myself personally, I needed the, I needed a partner in crime, as Richard likes to harass me about, you know, I did my my show for a little while, but without anybody to hold me accountable, uh, not quite as often as I would have liked to, so uh, we're going to change that up a little bit, do something more often, do it together, and uh, hopefully bring out something that everybody enjoys.
0: And Mike, one of the things that I always liked about your show, and I think we've talked about this before, is how each of us that is podcasting in this space looks at it from a bit of a different perspective. Stacy, for example, is oftentimes looking really deep into the technology. You were typically looking at what's going on in this space, in the industry as a whole and really looking at, at trends. And my show typically focuses on the DIY side of things, focused on experience and what consumers can expect for products. We have Seth and Jason talking about the installer space. So everybody kind of had their own niche. And we want to carry on that industry perspective that you've had before, but with a little bit of a twist. And whereas I already have a show that talks about the DIY side of things, we won't necessarily focus on DIY, but we will look at things from both the industry side because Adam's working in this space and from the consumer side and I'll be the consumer advocate in that side of the conversation.
1: That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense and I, I look forward to listening to it. Um, and like all the folks you just mentioned, they're good friends of the show and I hope to come back and have conversations with you guys and and we should do the Christmas show uh, where uh, I could come back and we could put some logs on the fire because that's been a tradition for three years in a row they've done. I want to keep doing that hopefully, but uh, that'll make sense What do we talk about today, though? Are we going to talk about like how we're seeing some smart home convergence and smart kitchen convergence? Because that's kind of like where our two worlds are meeting right now.
0: (laughs) That absolutely is. And yes, we want to get you back so that we can talk more about that and other things that you're seeing in this space that are applicable. But yeah, there are two things that I think it makes sense to cover today. First, the convergence of smart home and smart kitchen. and, And you bring a unique perspective in that space, really now, I think, being one of like the key industry drivers that's looking at that space and helping companies pull together in that space. And then I also wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in the device and services space where we're seeing a... Bunch of changes in companies, oftentimes pivoting or sometimes even retiring services that people depend on in the smart home space, and what impact that has, and what that's all about. So we won't take too much of your time today, but I, I think it'd be good to have some of these conversations. I don't know, Adam. Do you want to maybe drive the the smart home convergence conversation a little bit? Sure. As you said before,
2: we're all very proud of our, our friend Mike here and all he's done as kind of becoming the you know the guy in the smart kitchen space, and...
1: Aw, shucks.
2: Both Richard and I had the the pleasure of coming to your Smart Kitchen Summit last year. And uh, it's just amazing. It was actually my first Smart Kitchen Summit, but it's amazing to see how far this space has come, just even in a small amount of time. And obviously, Smart Home and Smart Kitchen have the crossover of all doing similar things in terms of having things cloud-connected, Wi-Fi connected, and things like that. So Mike, absolutely interested to hear kind of where you think, those. Those worlds are meeting.
1: Well, it's interesting because when we started the first Smart Kitchen Summit in 2015, I really drew upon my smart home connections, right? I, I had companies like Belkin and companies uh, who are definitely in that space, like come, uh, rest in peace. Kind of. Because that's really was a starting place. And it's so interesting if you look at the broader, where I spend a lot of time nowadays, if you look at the broader food tech and food innovation landscape, I was really the only one kind of driving it from the kitchen outward in terms of the technology. You've seen a lot of innovation and kind of a lot of focus looking at things like ag tech and kind of like the science of tech, and uh, and I'm enjoying the, having those conversations now because we have this publication called The Spoon where we brought in the scope and this, the shows brought in the scope to look at that. But it was just one of those scenarios where like there was no one really looking at the reinvention of the kitchen, which had largely become stale and had kind of been left behind. If you look like the living room and all these other spaces in the home, you've seen a lot. You see a lot. Of, saw a lot of technology innovation, but the kitchen got really left behind. So fast forward to four or five years later. I still feel like we're early stages, even kind of uh, if you look at how the smart homes progressed, you've seen a lot of movement around kind of standardization, you've seen and the kind of the voice interfaces rise up. But the thing about c- cooking in the kitchen is it's really where like physical science meets like digital. And that's like just much harder to move uh, move along because you're actually talking about real atoms. So um, I think you've seen, and you've seen some progress, but I think that it's just one of those scenarios where you have product life cycles that are much longer than technology life cycles. So if you look at like, for example, smartphone, if you look even like iPad, the interfaces with which we're actually interfacing with technology those are replaced every couple of years, whereas you look at like your refrigerator or your oven, those by and large last for 10 years. So we're still in those early stages. We're still trying to figure out how to get more intelligence into like these big kind of iron appliances. But I, I think that we're, we're making some progress. I feel like that's a big ramble. I apologize about that.
2: No. And I think, I mean, you mentioned uh, Amazon's Lady A. I think, you know, that had probably a lot to do with it as well. You know, I think what started as this early experiment at Amazon turned out that the kitchen was one of the best places for that Echo device. And that has to have blossomed out kind of some of that space and, and gotten people thinking about, well, what else can we do here?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that the first device that Amazon made around ConnectKit was a microwave, right? So they wanted to experiment. They wanted to gather data. But I think it's really interesting. And they've seen that 50% of of Amazon Echoes uh, go into the kitchen. By the way, you're called a lady. Are we not supposed
2: to call it anymore? (laughs) I mean, you can, but it sets off people's devices.
0: And I will get on my rant that, A, you're setting off people's devices. And... (laughs) And B, it is not an A word. It is an echo. (laughs) Anyway, so. I see this passion coming out, Richard, that we talked about. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Well, and it's funny. The kitchen is something that took me by surprise. And I think Adam and I have both kind of commented on this. When you first said, hey, you know, I think I'm going to go look at that get more involved in this smart kitchen stuff. I think there's really something there. You know, I feel like we both probably scratched our heads a little bit and thought, huh, okay, well, let's see. Let's see what that's all about. And I think it's safe to say that neither Adam nor I had a clue that this was going to be as big a thing as it is. And you certainly had the foresight there to recognize that there was something blossoming.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you have like all these convergent trends, right? Like there's obviously the smart home and technology evolution moving apace, new interfaces like Lady A or the Echo, but also just like millennials and Gen Y and like you have food delivery, all this like changing behavior, the fact that we have, we have resource constraints and 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 so I just think that there's all these issues that just pointed to a big kind of macro change, like we saw in the living room over the past ten or fifteen years. All the all the factors were there to kind of set the, set the show for like major change.
0: So and that's kind of what we started to see. I wonder, do we think that we're going to see more actual integration of technologies that are in the kitchen and maybe the laundry as an adjunct to that with the rest of the house? I know, you know, I I put Samsung Smart Things up here as an example because. Because I know that they are pushing big on their connected home products, really as the primary drivers of smart things. If you open the <coughs> horrific SmartThings app and try to add a device, the first rows of devices are all Samsung appliances. Stuff that you would find in your kitchen first. Oh, and then, by the way, yeah, you can also add your ring doorbell and stuff like that. I think yeah. For for some reason, Samsung has
1: really just bet on appliances, and they've at the center of that they put their big their uh, next generation smart fridge, right? So that's the family have refrigerator. I think it's on actually Gen four now, Gen three, Gen four. That thing's kind of been the center central focus of their connected appliance strategy. So more so than others, but I I think you're going to see increasingly even beyond Samsung increasing connections as the kitchen becomes more digitized. Now, what that ultimately uh, crystallizes into um, the use cases, I don't know. But as we see things like for example the the smart displays. It just makes a lot of sense. When your doorbell rings, you see who's at the front door because it very might well might be an Amazon delivery guy or, or your, your DoorDash or Uber Eats. And you also just want to be able to kind of see who's at the front door when you're in the kitchen. So I think it just makes sense. We're going to see more and more of that. And I think we already are.
2: I'm sure from a business reason too, I mean, just knowing what I know about, you know, the types of costs that go into that tech, um, you know, I don't know, Mike, if you know off the top of your head, what the adder is between a smart fridge from Samsung and a, you know, base. Level not smart fridge, but I would guess it's at least a couple couple hundred dollars. So they probably are able to add, we'll say, like fifty dollars worth of tech to the to the cost of the device and then get a huge adder to what you know what they actually charge for it and in, in the market.
1: That's a good question. I think you're probably right. What's interesting though is like when you talk to like people who work in appliance stores, I was just in Europe talking to one of the leading execs from like one of the biggest appliance stores in Europe, and people aren't necessarily coming in and asking. Asking for smart home technology or smart kitchen technology, that the process of buying appliances and putting money into your home um, around that, particularly like kitchen remodels, it's a different part of the brain that they're thinking about and they're not necessarily thinking about technology. And I kind of alluded to that earlier where buying cycles around things like kitchens are very different from around, from technology. So where we've seen a lot of mode, kind of a motion around countertop appliances, we haven't necessarily seen that around the big appliances. So I don't know where I'm going with this other than say like, I still think like there's kind of a vast, gulf between the way which consumers see the kitchen um, and like how they see smart technology. So like, which kind of runs counterintuitive to my event, right? I think, I think there's definitely the future, but I also think that like, we have a long ways to go. That makes sense.
2: Well, I think you make a good point about the, you know, how long those devices stay in your household. And I think for some people like us who keep up with technology, I could almost see that being a reason not to do it too. So you're like, well, I know how fast technology changes. So I don't want to put, get something that's high tech in a 10 year device because it's going to be out of date in, you know, three or four years.
0: Exactly. That's why back when
1: I was talking about this quite a bit, I always felt like retrofit technology where you basically take something like a smarter fridge cam and just plug it into existing fridge made a lot of sense rather than having to worry about buying something where the operating system failed in three or four years from now you could just have the assurance that your refrigerator is going to last and just add technology make it more of a modular approach i think that makes sense
0: absolutely i I think i call that don't prick my fridge (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting is, you know, you mentioned Smarter. That's a company where when they first announced products that they were going to be doing beyond their initial uh, teapot and coffee pot and stuff like that, they were focusing on these retrofit devices. And the fridge cam was the first. I think they're also still planning on doing something like uh, pantry mats. And I believe they were also talking about a an audible sensor that would do something like what the Echo Guard is supposed to do but with your kitchen devices so instead of listening for like the smoke alarm going off it's listening for the tone that your toaster makes or that the sound that your dishwasher makes when it's done and stuff like that to try to provide some smarts and alerts for you i think that's a really interesting use of technology and i'd love to see more stuff like that as opposed to like thousand dollar add-on 29 inch screens on the front of traditional (laughs) yeah devices I agree. And I think that that expense, that added expense is probably part of the hesitation of customers because it's such a big jump in price. And I like what you were saying, Adam, that you could probably, you know, add a, add a sensor network to a refrigerator at not a nominal cost, but at, at a uh, a manageable cost and then increase the cost a little bit more for your customers. We don't really have to get to the point where or I, I, I guess I should say we need to get to the point where the smarter version of an appliance is in a thousand dollar more investment yeah and I think part of that is picking smarter technology for these boxes.
1: But I also think we tend to fixate on the fridge. But if you look at Whirlpool's CES, for example, and looked at the line of, of ovens that they were talking about, kind of getting back to kind of the smart kitchen stuff. It's not just about like digital displays, right? It's, you know, they actually demoed basically what was a modular KitchenAid oven that you can add in a steam oven if you wanted. You can add in like basically kind of a brickstone barbecue. They also had added some June-like features in another oven. And they also had like this augmented reality so basically, you can have recipes and kind of demos of how to cook on the front of the of the screen. So, I think there's lots of ways in which we can reimagine cooking appliances. That just and we could start to think beyond just the refrigerator when we talk about it. Because I think Samsung's got a lot of attention, but you know, a smart fridge with a big display is just one kind of very one basic idea of what the, the smart fridge looks like. But there's a lot of other interesting stuff happening.
2: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I did see that Whirlpool uh, booth at CES and I was impressed. And I think, um, you know, investing in those things in your home is great. I think you should just plan for and you should definitely go for it if you like how it is and you expect that that's how that's all you're ever going to get. And, you know, certainly it, it can be nice if they add and upgrade and change it over time. But I wouldn't go in as a consumer thinking that, you know, OK, well, the future is coming later. But, you know, it's kind of like when you bought a microwave, you know, 10 years ago, that was the microwave you were going to have for for the end of time. And, you know, in some cases with the, the technology in these devices, that's going to be the technology you're going to have until the end of the time when you rip it out and replace it.
1: Speaking of like new devices or, or kind of like how long things will last, can we talk about some of these recent shutdowns? In, <laughs> and
0: like, Because like it sure seems like there's been a lot of them. Late. Well, and I think that's a really good reason to worry about this stuff, right? If you're buying a... An appliance and you expect it to last 10, 15 years. And in the meanwhile, or in the meantime, you're looking at what's going on in the smart home industry and you're seeing companies either pivot away from or completely abandon products. And it's happened in the smart home space. In On the Spoon, you've reported about a number of companies that have kind of shuttered or just ended support for products that they had or services that they were offering. And so in the smart home, we're seeing it too. And I, I think it makes people a little bit concerned. So just kind of as some background, you know, I wrote down some of the things that we had seen recently, like Lowe's shutdown, Lowe's by Iris was a smart home system. It's also worth noting that Lowe's, I don't know what Lowe's is doing, frankly, as far as a smart home is concerned, because they also ended their partnership with beta where they had little store in a store setups and let people see different smart home products at the front of the store. That didn't last for long. No, it was about two years and it never expanded to all of their stores but they agreed to shut it down they I mean it was a I talked with Phil about it and it was a uh, a joint decision but they ultimately ended the contract on that so you know and then we have Microsoft one of the largest companies in our country, if not in the world. And they are basically doing an about face on Cortana, whereas they were pushing that really hard for consumer oriented stuff and even a lot of smart home stuff. And it was pretty good at it, too. Never saw adoption. And Microsoft's basically just kind of abandoning end consumer products anyway. And then we also have Stringify, which was an IFTTT competitor announcing that they're shutting down. So, you know, if If I were a consumer, I'd look at all this stuff and I'd wonder, well, like, what's next? Like, what, what, what's safe to buy?
2: Yeah, uh, understandable.
0: Can I just say that, like,
1: Microsoft should have just spun out all consumer, like, four or five years ago. Satya doesn't care for it. He doesn't know how to do it. And they should have just taken the Microsoft or the Xbox brand and maybe spun it out all under that. But they're just letting everything die. Isn't
0: it? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't working for them. It doesn't get them the kind of numbers that that company needs to see to consider a division profitable. And so ultimately, they're abandoning it and, and cutting those things loose just one after one thing after another. On one of my other shows, we report a lot on Microsoft stuff and we're constantly talking about, oh yeah, oh yeah, Groove Music, yeah, that's going away. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, Cortana, yeah, that's that's not doing anything more. Oh yeah, this show used to be about Media Center, remember that? So, yeah, I, but but anyway, I mean obviously there are natural evolutions. Some things happen as a result of acquisitions. For example, you know, we, of course, the Revolve Hub was kind of a, a darling in the smart home space when it started and it was was bought by nest and then nest was bought by google and and as one company acquires another then ultimately they may decide to take on or abandon some of the things that their uh, companies that they purchased were managing but i can understand why consumers may be concerned or hesitant about getting into this space
2: we can't talk about low me mentioning a story from a couple years ago i was on a panel and we were talking about uh, smart home platforms and at the end of the panel, the moderator was like, well, you know, who do you think are going to be the top three smart home platforms? And we're all like, well, Amazon, Google, Apple, you know, it gets through three or four people. And I think we kind of all forgot that there was somebody from Lowe's on the panel. <laughs> and so we get to him at the end and he was like, well, 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 Lowe's, of course. And, and we all kind of just died a little bit inside because nobody had given that answer. And we all felt bad for him.
1: Well, here's the problem. The guy from Lowe's probably works at Amazon or Google at this <laughs> point. Because if you, if you ever, Look at LinkedIn. like the way, the guy who is the CEO of Wink last ended up at Amazon. The guy who was running uh, the Lowe's smart home stuff—he's he's now at, at Amazon as well. So, like, what happens is all these guys, all the Revolve guys, are at Google. So they just all kind of got sucked into those those vortexes. I don't
0: know if that was an intentional reference, Mike, but you know, Wink is another one that you have to wonder what's going on with that. I mean, it's kind of like dead man walking right now. Nothing has happened with that product in months and months and months and months, and, months, and they haven't added any major new product line integrations in over a year and a half so i think uh william is just kind of letting it make some side money for him and not really investing anything in that yeah that was a weird
1: acquisition anyway i mean it wasn't for a while in, in the hands of like one of the was it in the hands of flex or one of the contract manufacturers for a while yeah yep. that made yeah more flex sense to to that made a lot more sense
0: yeah exactly exactly yeah I, I don't know what that was about that was a very very strange acquisition so I, I mean i do you think that this is just bound to happen or is there is there a reason for this? Like, I wonder if a lot of this is because companies want to be a part of the gold rush. And oftentimes they just don't really understand what it takes and what it's going to take.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, look, all the companies that made money in Token Ring and then Ethernet, like they're all like distant (laughs) memories. I mean, who talks about 3Com anymore? I mean, it's just, it is the natural course of things. I think all the value moves up the stack. And like, I just think it's very hard to make a a long-term 10 year, 20 year, or build like a a 25 year company around like, you know, if you're just basically kind of a connectivity play, right? You really need a bigger idea. And if you're someone like Amazon or Google and you suck in customers for some other reason, if you have, you know, a commerce, uh, you know, everyone goes Amazon for commerce. You can't help but search Google because you go to Google all the time those guys are going to continue just pulling value and I think it's just going to be hard to be standalone just the long-term outlook for like a wink doesn't make sense and then you have like Lowe's like it never made sense to like or Lowe's or Staples to actually get in and doing their own right it just never made a lot of sense to me so I know you're disappointed Richard because I think you were a fan of Staples Connect
0: <laughs> I was a huge fan yeah I, I mean I thought they had one of the best products out there yeah. and the, with the work that the Zonoff team did well the Zonoff team was well, good like there's good technology yeah there. was absolutely fantastic Fantastic, and uh, honestly, I believe that Staples as a company didn't know how to manage it. Made a lot of really bad decisions, and and after making this odd decision to bring this kind of uh, you know redheaded stepchild in, then didn't know where to put it and and how to manage it. So yeah, that was disappointing to me. I think on the Irish side, it's more frustrating because it seems to me that if I were a homeowner who didn't know a whole lot about smart home stuff, and I would was interested in getting into smart home stuff, that home stores should be an ideal place to try and introduce customers to that stuff. Well, look at the things that have succeeded, right? It's largely
1: been around a runaway success, a singular point device that ultimately the, the CEO or whatever says, okay, I'm now going to go platform. So Ring, like like five years ago, no one was talking about connect doorbells, but yep. it made a lot of sense to me because like, hey, everyone wants to use it at the front door. Jamie, Zana, Jamie saw that, Jamie Siminoff, he built Ring, sold about a million of these things and just started to think, okay, now we're going to make this a security thing. We were going to we we're going to make the door like a security play. We're going to make this a services play. And, and look at where it took him. He got, I don't know what the acquisition was. Uh, He did really well, and uh, I think we we saw it to a certain extent was maybe on the door lock side with August. Um, Not quite the same exit, Um, but I think that's really what happens: is you get one singular point device that just becomes a runaway success. Consumers want to make it part of their life, and then you can uh, can kind of expand out.
0: Nest is the same sort of thing,
1: exactly, exactly. And so, um, consumers don't want to say, "Hey, I really want to I want to buy like a new smart home brand." Um, You know what I mean? Like it's like so. If you're like, you don't necessarily go to an office supply store and think, "I need a new smart home brand in my life."
2: well you one, know, right, you right.
1: Don't do that uh, so i th- I think that just wasn't the way in which consumers think the way they buy things
2: yeah and I think I guess one answer uh you know I'll wear my apple fanboy badge for a second here on kind of the the <laughs> defunct services thing is you know the one of the advantages of homekit is that what you get on day one that can be managed through homekit it doesn't matter if somebody were to fold and the servers turn off HomeKit's still gonna work it's all a you know a Local protocol and Apple manages all of that.
0: Well, it would matter if Apple folded, right? But what's the likelihood of that, or if Apple decided to abandon it because it's taken five years to ramp up? There's always that risk, right? Absolutely, but it's less likely. The likelihood of Apple folding
2: very low. Uh, the likelihood of Apple losing interest in it, I guess that's possible, but you know, I don't see many signs of it as of today.
1: I mean, they did kind of with thirteen ninety four, um, but. That's it's not quite the same thing, but they do lose interest. I don't see it happening with HomeKit, but they, they have done it in the past. So they kind of say, okay, well, whatever. HDMI is going to be the winner or, or whatever.
2: Um, but they, I don't see it happening with HomeKit. Yeah, you don't think they're going to say, well, actually, we think Alexa is the way to go. And so, uh, you know, we're going to integrate with Amazon and good luck with that. And, you know, I don't see that happening. <laughs>
0: But you could see, well, maybe not so much. I was going to say you could see Google just kind of doing it about face because they have a history. Yeah, they do. Of doing that.
1: They give up on stuff way faster. Like when you compare the two Apple versus Google, Google is more likely to say ask because first of all, they have like lots, lots of different competitive things happening at the same time. There's, it's not like Amazon and Apple where there's just everything, everyone's bought in across the company. There's one strategy from the top down. I feel like with Google, there's just lots of fiefdoms or fiefdoms doing different things.
2: So much so, at one point, they had multiple uh, smart home protocols within their own company. I think they've at least uh, all named the same thing. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. I feel like they were... Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if at one point in time, I believe there were two versions of Thread or whatever it was. It was, we, it they, was
2: Weave. Yeah. So there was... Weave. There was
0: Two versions of Weave.
2: Yeah, there was Nest Weave and there was Google Weave. And haven't heard mm-hmm. much about Google Weave. So I think they've at least cleaned that up and, and all aligned around the Google Assistant and and that's you know a big priority within the company but yeah
0: well but yeah i mean the good news is that since thread was built on that thread is going to come in and save it oh wait where's thread <laughs> silence <laughs> cricket sound so yeah i yeah so so what is the answer? if you're a consumer and i think it would be interesting to say you know let's look at this from the manufacturer's perspective who has to place that's on platforms and a consumer's perspective and maybe even a, a bit of an industry perspective mike but from the consumer perspective i would worry about what i should buy and i like what you said where just you know think about point solutions don't necessarily worry about platforms, but at the same time, if I'm buying a product that's a point solution, I like to know, like I wanna see a bunch of logos on that box so that I have options. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think that's right, and I think sometimes consumers should also be worried about like things that they do think is stable, but a like, big platform player comes in and buys them. What I think is interesting is I think consumers are not only thinking about like the longevity of things, but they're also starting to think about more things like, okay, when I'm buying this, what about my privacy? What's who's listening in on on this voice conversation? So I think that the, the the smart home calculation is changing to long, not only longevity and like how this fits in life, but also like who's the kind of big company behind this and can I trust them.
2: Yeah, I had an interesting conversation towards the end of the last year right before CES with a company that was only doing HomeKit. And, you know, I kind of asked them, well, what's your what's your story on on, you know, Amazon and Google and they said, "Well, you know, in and they were a European company and they said, "Well, you know, in Europe, privacy is so so front of mind and so forward that, you know, people don't want their devices connected to the cloud and so, you know, HomeKit's a perfect fit for them because, you know, that's something, uh, Apple's all about. I mean, in their most recent, uh, you know, thing, I, they must've talked about privacy, you know, four or five different times in the keynote. Um, so it's very front of mind with them. And, and so that makes sense in a, especially in Europe where, you know, that, that attitude is very similar. And, uh, I guess we'll just have to see in the U S if, if, you know, people kind of pull back and, and take more of that stance, or if they are kind of like they are today, and just kind of like, eh, I don't care. Well, whatever. You have my data.
0: So Adam, as a product manufacturer, I mean, GridConnect re-released the ConnectSense outlet with support beyond HomeKit. So why did you go that approach as opposed to the the, the approach that he's talking about? There have to be advantages to it.
2: Yeah, I mean I think it was a disadvantage early on to be HomeKit only and obviously the market uh the market evolved and so our stance was that you know we needed to integrate with the three major players. We needed to be on HomeKit and and certainly you know continue to support that platform um and feel strong.
0: And then you're going to add Cortana and Bixby, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of course. Um, But yeah, and then uh, obviously Amazon being the dominant player uh, could not be ignored and and needed to be a part of it. And, you know, we sell a lot. That's kind of our major online channel um, for those products. So it it was a no-brainer. And then, you know, here comes Google. And and I think, you know, what we've seen at the last couple of years at, at CES, they're just investing a ton in this space and trying to play catch up with Amazon. And so, you know, we felt like that needed to be there as well you know certainly there are more platforms out there beyond that we looked at some of them but you know we felt like those three were the most important and the ones we needed to be on and i personally am not hearing people knocking at my door begging loudly for anything beyond that today but certainly if they did you know we would get those integrations done um but yeah i mean definitely supporting the big three and going from there
1: isn't it interesting? And this is
2: maybe a, a topic for another podcast episode, and
1: I'll come back for it. But like all the all the so and so so called standards we're talking about now are basically owned by like a single large technology company. Like in you know like the, all the conversations we had when I was like a networking analyst back like ten years ago, it's like okay, is it going to be is it going to be Wi Fi or is it going to be um, this type of networking technology? In the wireless world, it's like five G. And while there's certainly certainly intellectual property owners behind those technologies, they're not owned by one company. I, I think that's something that's both a little bit interesting, but also a little bit worrisome for the smart home.
0: Well. I mean, I think the platforms are owned by the big companies, but the technologies aren't. This is still built largely on IP communications and Bluetooth and typical radios that have evolved to adapt to the market.
1: Right. But I would say that if we're talking about like, okay, or or Google Home has become a default standard in a way as the kind of the default connectivity interface, it is in a sense a standard. It may be a de facto standard. It's not like a, you know, but like, I think that's interesting and still a bit different.
2: Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, nobody really cares how their devices talk uh, on the network. It's like, as I want it to work, I want it to be reliable. Um, I, I prefer it not to have another hub that has to go in my closet of hubs. Um, but if that's the way and, and that makes it reliable, then whatever, what's one more? But, you know, they just want it to work and they want it to work with voice and they want to work with whatever their chosen thing is in their home. So for that consumer, if, if somebody's already, Said I'm all in on uh, Google Assistant, or I'm all in on Alexa, Elect- uh, 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 or I'm a HomeKit home. You know, we want we want that to be an easy choice for them when they pick up one of our products.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, and, and I think that is better for consumers to look for that choice. So, well, I don't think we're going to solve this problem, and I'm sure we're going to see more companies shut down over the coming years. But I think the thing that I'm most interested in is really just seeing seeing how companies adapt to this, seeing if the trepidation that users or customers may have because they're seeing stuff kind of go away might make companies be a little bit more purposeful in how they approach the market and the services that they offer. And maybe even, and I, I think this is something that Stacy has talked about too, create a failure plan, right? Like it, it, it astounds me how many startups don't have a failure plan. And just something... like the the larger companies are doing now where they're saying, oh, okay, well, we're going to reimburse you for everything that you spent on it. Like they did at Lowe's. Well, a startup can't afford that. So you need to think of something that can maybe help consumers adapt to new technology or migrate off your platform without just leaving them in a lurch if you do ultimately have to pull the plug on something.
2: Well, and also running the economics of what is it going to take to run this device over the life of the device. You know, I think, you know, somebody alluded to it earlier, like, you know, some of these companies probably didn't fully think through what are my cloud costs for the life of this device? What is it going to take to operate this and build that into the cost and or the business model of the device? Because, you know, if you just kind of were, you know, cowboying it out there and and just like, whatever, we'll figure it out when we get there, um, then ultimately they may may have run into a business model that didn't work. And so if you're not thinking about those things when you're shipping a product, then that's how you're going to end up on either your dead man walking or your shutdown list.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, agreed Alright, well that was some good conversation And Mike, I really appreciate you Kind of entrusting us to Carry this forward Yeah. We expect that we are going to uh, Cover a whole variety Of topics and we're Going to, I would say we're going to experiment A little bit with the format As we move forward We may, we may, there's a good chance We may replace that intro music Just warning you now I was going like, to ask you, Like <laughs> I thought like
1: the deal was You keep the intro music forever
0: <laughs> that's what we t-
1: wait a minute what's going on all right fine <laughs> now richard just told me after knowing him for years i thought he's a close friend that he hated the intro music
0: yeah richard, <laughs> i don't know where this well us. if you come back you know hopefully we'll make it up to you but in the meantime in until you come back you have been doing so much stuff mike you are like all over the place you're doing side conferences you're doing this smart kitchen summit rather you are at smart home conferences and Smart Kitchen and other events, talking and uh, moderating. I mean, you're all over the place. Let people know what you're up to and pimp your site a little bit too, huh? Well, most of the time I'm
1: spending nowadays is, uh, on the place writing for The Spoon, which is our editorial site. It's kind of become, a, I would say, a go-to, go-to place for people in the food tech space and the Smart Kitchen space. We are doing our first adjacent kind of spin-out conference called Articulate. I give full credit to Chris Albrecht for thinking of that name. It's all about food robotics. So if you like, see these guys like creator or the BreadBot, which I think you saw at CES. Um, we have the CEOs from all these companies coming. We also have the head of Google's robotics coming to talk about robotics. So uh, that's actually next Tuesday. So you're in San Francisco, you want to come, check it out. And uh, other than that, just uh, continuing to plug away. I'm going to Europe uh, in, a, in a couple weeks to talk about more food tech. And, and uh, hopefully I'll be back on the show again. You guys can invite me back.
2: We'd love to have you. All
1: right. Well, this has been great. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. And I hope you take good care of the little baby. It's not, it's not a baby anymore. <laughs> I feel like it's an adult now.
0: Uh,
2: maybe it's an adolescent. Yeah. and uh richard why don't you tell people where uh, where they can find you on the internet
0: yeah so my primary show that i do is called home on and like i mentioned earlier that is focused on diy smart home consumer products and i write about technology and the home of that podcast and others that i'm involved in is at the digital media zone that's the digital media and adam you
2: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice, and uh, you can keep up with all the things my company is doing at ConnectSense.com. And as far as finding future episodes of the show, good news. If you're listening to this episode, you'll be able to just continue to subscribe to the show as you always have in this feed. And if you want to see show notes or anything else, we're going to be hosting all of those at smarthome.fm.
0: Very good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And very good. To everybody listening, thank you, and I hope that you will stick with us as we take the show into the next phase. We're really excited about it.
2: Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. This has been a lot of fun.